It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Lisa Brady. This has been a week of unspeakable tragedy as an 18-year-old gunman unleashed evil on the small city of Uvalde, Texas, killing 19 children and two teachers and stunning a tight-knit community. Each day since the attack has brought more information about the horrific events at Robb Elementary School, mainly in a fourth-grade classroom just a few days before summer break. The killer had recently purchased two guns. He shot and wounded his grandmother just before the attack and warned he was about to target an elementary school in what Facebook says were private messages, not public posts. The mass shooting quickly reignited the national debate about gun laws. Questions are also being raised about school security and the timeline of the multi-agency response to this attack. On the day after the shooting, before many of those questions had surfaced, we spoke with Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, whose district includes Uvalde. We made some edits for time and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now here's Congressman Tony Gonzalez on the Fox News Rundown Extra. I did want to ask you about the fact that this tragedy in Uvalde has has quickly turned up the heat in the debate over gun laws, um, punctuated by former Congressman Beto O'Rourke confronting the governor at a briefing in Uvalde. He was basically shouted out of the room by other officials, not the governor. Um, it's fair to say, though, this is a very sensitive issue. Yeah, no, there's uh, a lot of people are, are very upset, ultimately. And, and I will say, you know, there's a lot of politicians that try to score political points. Now's not the time for any of that. I mean, my community of Uvalde is, is turned upside down. You know, I actually grew up uh, 38 miles from here in Camp Wood, 500, mile, 500 people in this town. And so Uvalde is really home, and it's a very tight-knit community. It's uh, about an hour and a half from San Antonio. It's an agriculture committee, everybody, uh, community. Everybody knows everyone. And, and uh, you know, to score political points, we don't need that. We need people to come together and, and unify in, in, one, helping us heal, helping Uvalde heal, and then ultimately get to a point where there is an, another Uvalde that takes place. You have been strong in your support of Second Amendment rights. Do these kinds of horrific events make that position more difficult? Now, I believe in the Constitution. I swore an oath to the Constitution when I was 18 years old, did 20 years in the military. I swore an oath to the Constitution as a member of Congress. I, I believe in, in, in our country. What, what I will say is, you know, I represent my district's very large. It goes from San Antonio to El Paso, larger than 30 states. And I actually represent 119 cities. And when I visited Uvalde about over a year ago, we sat down with the, the county judge, who's a Democrat, the mayor, who's a Republican, and, and the sheriff. And we sit down and I go, hey, if there's one thing I can do for you, what would that be? And all of them, we all agreed that it would be a new mental health uh, facility. So uh, we started working on it, collaborating together, and the county actually donated land for this. So that's done. Uh, I was able to secure $2 million through a community project, but the project is $20 million. I say all that 
to go, we, we need to have communities come together and get to the forefront of any kind of crisis. Um, and, and I think part of that is, is addressing the mental health issue. It's certainly growing. Yeah, it is. I mean, have you have you heard from many constituents about the shooting or about the mental health issue even before the shooting? Before even before the shooting, I mean, the day of this is something that really hasn't made it out. You know, the day of the shooting, uh, Uvalde, the, the Uvalde uh, Sheriff's Department actually transported a young woman to San Antonio because she was having, you know, suicide ideations. So it's there. It's happening every single day, but there was no facility for them to go to. So that's one that's one need in, in, in there. The other part is, you know, how, how can we how can we protect our children going forward? I think there's a lot of different ideas. I, I mean, look, I, I'm of the mindset you can be passionate about who you are and what you represent, but you can we, we need to get back to having a conversation with one another and not this spewing rhetoric and and calling names and, and, and just blaming each other for all the, these horrific things that are happening. We should come together and we should go, hey, what works? What can we do to make sure our, our children, our innocent children, aren't slaughtered anywhere? The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has issued a call for bipartisan work um, on the issue. Moderate Democratic Senator Joe Manchin has said he would consider expanded background checks and red flag laws to be common sense legislation do you see any areas of common ground on those proposals or others Uh, you know i think sadly it takes a tragedy to bring attention to an issue and you know a lot of a lot of these people that you mentioned they're politicians they're career politicians and 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 they view the world solely through a political lens and and i'll be more specific you know last week uh, none, nonetheless, I got a visit from uh, Max, uh, I can't remember, uh, Char, Charhart, uh, and he's the father of one of the victims of Parkland. And he sits in my office, and we start talking about it, and he goes, Tony, you know, uh, you know, we really need to protect our schools. There's a piece of legislation called the, the Alex and Luke Act, and he walks me through it. I go, Max, I'm a father of six. I agree with you. I get pulled in all these different directions like these other members but yes, so let's 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 bring it up. And he goes to, to, to mention that Schumer was actually the one that kind of prevented some of this. So, I mean, I don't want to point fingers, but what I get at what, I, what I'd like for us to do, let's sit down, let's talk about real issues, real problems and find ways to to help folks, not just score political points with our own party. What do you say, though, to people who maybe aren't politicians and are, you know, critical of some of the things that you've set up in the positions you've taken because you have gotten a lot of pushback on social media for gun rights positions and people you know kind of saying hey you know we don't need more thoughts and prayers we need action i would say we absolutely need more thoughts and prayers i'm a man of faith uh i represent a community that is very faith-based and when you lose everything I mean, faith is oftentimes the, the only thing you have left. So we, we absolutely need uh, to, to love one another and, and, and treat each other, you know, in, in, a, in a positive way. You know, what I'll also say is we, you don't have to be a member of Congress to make a difference. And I'm going to take my member of Congress hat off and I'm going to put my father hat on. And the first thing I thought, I, you know, I've got six children. Two of them are elementary school age. 
So as I'm hearing these stories and I'm getting these briefings, just very disturbing. And the first thing that came to mind was I need to call my school and go, what are our procedures if there's an active shooter event? One, what are, why, you know, is there a, a, a single entry point? Two, do we have teachers that are armed or do we have resource officers? I mean, these are all things I think every parent can do. Call your, be more involved in your school and, and make sure that your children are protected. You know, if we're relying on politicians to get us over the finish line, especially on some of these tough issues, we're, we're going to be relying on, uh, you know, forever, if you will. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. There has been a call, especially from Republicans, for schools to be made harder targets. Um, do do you think there hasn't been enough of that in enough places, especially in smaller communities? You know, I, I what I see, and, you know, I represent an urban area and a rural area, and what I'm seeing is this greater divide between urban America and rural America, where in rural America the resources are so stretched thin, you don't have money to, let's say, talk about security of a facility because you're trying to keep the lights on and keep the teachers paid. So I think we need to do more of that. I also think we need to have kind of this all-of-the-above approach. Like, let's look at all of it. Let's talk about it. Let's have a discussion on it. But it, I think it only, it only works if you have less politicians that want to do that and more people that genuinely want to see our children safe, not only in schools, but in churches, in malls, everywhere. And part of that discussion is the mental health part of it. I mean, I don't care who you are. Everyone deals with mental health, and we need to actually devote more time and energy and resources towards that. I think part of that discussion starts in Congress. Do you think it seems like there's this kind of permanent dividing line between those who want to focus mainly on the guns and the purchasing of the guns and those who argue, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Is that a permanent dividing line? Is there any way to kind of bridge that gap to finally make some progress on the issue of gun violence? You know, I think what often happens is you have the parties that you kind of go to your corner and you talk to your base and you, you kind of keep these things going. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic if we have more people in, let's just say, Congress that have never served before, that are, are more focused on solutions and less focused on getting reelected, that's how we ultimately bridge it. If we have the glue that comes us that, that brings us together, because at the end of the day, when there's a, a horrific uh, uh, accident or, or uh, uh, event like this mass shooting that occurred, everybody's impacted. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, a Republican. They don't ask who your father was or your mother. You know, it's just everybody's impacted, and we got to be able. And this is not only on 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 violence, on a lot of things. We're Americans. We have more in common than we don't. And we have to stop with the the hateful rhetoric and be more positive and more solution oriented. The governor has called for a focus on supporting the families and the community. What's the best way to do that, Congressman? You you know this area so well. Yeah, you know, uh, I actually visited the uh, victim 
resource center here in Uvalde, and there was there was actually families in there uh, getting variety of different of different resources. I, I would say this right now. I mean, we, there's a lot of resources that are sent our way, uh, but everyone is in a state of shock. And I, what I su- suspect is going to happen, you know, give it a few days, and then all of a sudden that shock is going to settle in, and people are really going to be hit with the tragedy. You know, I've got families that have to bury children, and you know, it's just there's a lot of different things going on. But the number to me, the number one issue, the, the number one need that, that the, the community of Uvalde needs is we need mental health clinicians uh, to not only talk to the victims, not only talk to the survivors, but to talk to the community in general, because it is as if our heart has been ripped out and we need to heal and come together. Part of that is having professionals that can help help move that along. Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, thank you very much for your time. Great. Thank you. We also spoke to Fox's Evan Brown in Uvalde on the day after the shooting. He spoke to local residents and those impacted by the tragedy. We again made some edits for time and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. Now here's Fox's Evan Brown on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Let me jump right in then. Um, I did. Okay. I wanted to start out by asking you, what is this community doing so far to try to cope? with this horror and this grief? I, I think the word, and it may be an overused word, is they're processing. Um, they're still trying to figure out how this happened and why someone who lives among them did this to them. This was not a stranger. This was not a person who traveled a great distance and selected a target after meticulous planning to try to make some kind of message about racial warfare or something that we had to experience a couple weeks ago in Buffalo, New York. This is someone who lived literally about two blocks away from the school. Um, and in fact, most of these kids who went to the school lived within a few blocks, I have to imagine. This, this elementary school, it's a small school, uh, is smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood. There are people who live across the street, across a very narrow street, the kind of street you would see kids riding their bikes on without worrying about traffic, that kind of neighborhood. Um, And that's where the school is. And uh, this uh, gunman uh, lived not too far um, after he shot his own grandmother in the face, took the car and started driving towards the school, crashed the car, ran into the school, and in one particular classroom did what he did. The motive um, remains under investigation, the specific motive at least. Um, but the governor did have a briefing in Uvalde Wednesday, the day after the shooting, and did offer some more information about that timeline. Correct. We had a, a, a bit more um, specifics, if you will, about the minute-by-minute uh, uh, play out of, of this uh of this event and that's where we learned that he shot his grandmother in the face we had heard that she had been shot by him but that she had shot him in the face and then she proceeded with her wound to call 911 uh, and to alert them that he was on a rampage uh, he uh, and I think perhaps the biggest news to come uh, within these past hours has been that one of the uh, uh, tactical responders was not a local officer or deputy, but was an off-duty uh, border patrol agent who serves on 
on the tactical team there. So he had the expertise and the assets and the equipment to be able to do that kind of work, sort of on demand but off-duty, uh, to assist this local agency. And I know a lot of people are sitting there going, well, what is a Border Patrol agent doing in this Texas town? Well, this Texas town, Uvalde, is not all that far from the U.S. border with Mexico. It is a commuting distance. Most people, when they go live somewhere, they want to be in a commuting distance from work. Well, a Border Patrol agent works at the border. This is where they're going to live. And it's possible that they're or not possible. It's, we know there are others who live here. There were some that have their kids in these schools or had their kids in the local schools. Uh, they are the neighbors. And uh, and so happens uh, this was the person who was able to respond along with the local police. And this Border Patrol agent is the one who took the fatal shot to end the rampage. There was also more information about how it was a multi-agency response. In addition to that yeah. off-duty Border Patrol agent, there were multiple, you know, officers from different law enforcement agencies that responded. And there was, a, you know, the, the school, what we might call a school resource officer in other place, parts of the country, um, was also part of the Correct. response. And it's, it's really a, a harrowing tale of how they went around saving lives, breaking windows to get people out. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there was great uh, communication, obviously, and cooperation. You know, I think we are very far away from the old days where uh, people held fast to jurisdictions and, and one group didn't talk to another and you're on your own with this or don't you intrude on ours. Uh, that Those walls have come down really, I think, since 9-11. Uh, and because of that, there is, there's this amazing mutual aid from multiple levels. Yes, the school system here has their own uh, small police force. The town has its own police force. Uh, there's a county sheriff. Uh, there's also state law enforcement. Texas loves its state law enforcement. Uh, there's you know highway patrol and the rangers and the like. Uh, and then there are the feds uh, who can come in as well, um, and they can bring much more investigative resources after the fact. They, they're the ones that can comb through uh, this young man's life and try to uh, put together a bit of a, an explanation as to what went wrong that he decided to get this violent this quickly uh, and, uh, and commit the acts that he committed. We do know now from the governor that he had posted some private messages online um, really within about a half an hour before the shooting, right, which... I guess would have been a warning, but these weren't. These wouldn't have been publicly seen. They they may not have been publicly seen, or as you know, with social media, if you have no followers or or have very few followers, you know, most people really aren't going to see what you're posting unless they're looking for it. So these uh, these messages, which I believe were posted on Facebook, they said, "I'm going to shoot my grandmother." I did shoot my grandmother. Now I'm going to go uh, shoot up a, an elementary school. Uh, these were all made within the span of a half hour, 40 minutes, and usually minutes before the specific act was carried out. Uh, so um, I, they may not have been really helpful in terms of trying to, to prevent anything. Uh, they're more helpful now in the aftermath where they can be used to corroborate a, a timeline or, or, or a theory that the investigators may have about when things actually happened on a on a minute-by-minute or hour-by-hour basis. Once the shooting was over, um, it was a long wait um, overnight in some cases for some parents to find out if their kids were okay, if they were among the dead. That has to have made this whole situation even worse. Is there just a sense of shock 
collective shock oh. at this point? Oh, totally there is. I mean, you had a number of parents waiting at a, a downtown civic center uh, for information. Uh, in some cases, they were asked for uh, saliva swabs for, uh, for making matches. Um, when they asked for that, uh, it's because perhaps the face isn't recognizable anymore, and I don't know that for a fact. I'm just supposing. Um, but uh, you know, these were very young kids, nine, ten years old. Um, uh, they might not have had dental records yet. You know, how many dental X-rays do you get your kids that young? Uh, and not to mention, that's sort of the age where they're losing some teeth, right? They're getting rid of the baby teeth and getting the the, the big boy and big girl teeth. So uh, records might not have been good enough or, or accurate enough to be able to make IDs. Uh, and if if certainly if the if the child was not recognizable, the last thing you want to do to this parent is ask them to take a look. Um, so maybe doing a, some kind of other test, some kind of medical test. Uh, they're able to provide that confirmation and then let the, uh, uh, you know, make that notification to the parent. Uh, in some of these cases, these parents were up through the night and didn't, didn't get that final word until early this morning. So you can imagine just, just how long of a night that must have been. Mm -hmm. I know you spoke with uh, some of the families who are trying to process all of this and, and, you know, whether they have someone who they've lost or someone who survived. Either way, it's a lot to process. Sure. I spoke with a gentleman by the name of Cody Eduarte, who actually lives a couple hours away in, in an even smaller town uh, than Uvalde. Uh, and he has relatives here, and he was working, and he got word that there was a, a shooting, and uh, he made some phone calls, and later on at night uh, found out some very devastating news about a little cousin uh, and uh, I'll play a little bit of our conversation. Emery Garza is uh, a the daughter of uh, a cousin of mine, and um, um, I haven't been able to speak to him yet. Um, we're probably going to go over there and talk to him um, after this. Um, it's, it's just difficult. It's just, just difficult to think that because we, we have we have children the same age, and um, it's difficult to think of of uh, his loss. You know, of, of the loss that he's that he's facing right now. I mean, what can you say about that? You know, there is actually one more thing he can say because that wasn't the only child in the family to be affected in this. Uh, another child of that family, another little cousin was also shot, and that child, Lisa, lived. She was the one that survived. She was, I, I believe what they said is that she was shot five times, and uh, I praise God that the, the doctors were able to, to save her life. Uh, uh, they actually, the news had originally um, um, reported that she had died, but uh, it, it turns out that, that uh, doctors were able to save her. So just think of that for a moment. Yeah, being uh, in incredibly sad and incredibly grateful at the same time, um, but uh, but again, we, we we began this conversation about processing, and I don't know how you process that. I I don't have the expertise as an adult or as a parent myself to uh, to even think of the steps you would take. One of the points the governor made is that there's no mental health hospital in the immediate area. 
Do you hear people in the community talking about that, about the need for mental health services in general? I think that conversation comes up a lot anyway. Uh, look, we're, we're sort of out in the sticks here. Um, you know, you, an hour and a half away is San Antonio, a rather sizable city with a, a fantastic um, hospital system or two. Uh, and those services are certainly available there. Um, but there isn't much here in, in, in the way of, of long-term psychiatric care, counseling and, and, the, and the whatnot. It may be very limited. Um, there probably is, to a degree, crisis intervention, and that's a, a, a very important thing that may not get as much use uh, as, as it needs to be used in, in many communities for a number of reasons. Um, but the governor did talk about that. And, and, you know, one of the things that can happen, of course, is states can spend money building new facilities. But he said, you know, a building doesn't treat patients, you know, professionals do. So there needs to be a way to not just build a building, but to have the professionals here to, to do that kind of important work. Um, one of the ways off the top of my head to, to help maybe alleviate that problem is something that we all became rather familiar with uh, during the pandemic and that the industry has certainly taken off is, is telemedicine. Um, it's quite easy now using a, a smart device or a computer to get a hold of a, of a counselor. Uh, and to have regular sessions and things like that. Uh, perhaps maybe there's a way to do that with crisis intervention, too, as a new tool. Uh, that's something, you know, policymakers from the, the town level up to the state level are going to have to talk about. Uh, but, uh, you know, in, in this situation, it, it is evident that uh, this young man uh, was having a crisis of some sort. Uh, someone doesn't get that rageful overnight or within a couple of hours. Something was building, and we do know that there were problems. There are stories about it, but very little to anything was actually done. Certainly nothing actionable was done that would have led to uh, some kind of paper trail or permanent record that would have come up in a background check when he went to buy his firearm. This shooting has instantly rekindled the debate about gun laws. Are people talking about yeah. that in Uvalde? Not, not yet, I don't think. You know, this is very red Texas. I don't think that people are going to have the immediate uh, reaction that we've seen in other parts of the country about uh, 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 strengthening uh, restrictions on guns, on, on, on long guns being able to be bought by someone aged 18 or over. Um, but I think, uh, uh, the, and what the governor said uh, as well sort of echoes this, uh, that mental health issues need to be taken more seriously, not just in the in the scope of, of long-term counseling and finding care for people, that obviously has to happen, uh, but also the mental health uh, aspect of, of, uh, of these background checks. You know, if we are going to treat kids with kid gloves and not put them into the proper systems to safe them, safe the community, and maybe get them help, uh, we end up with violent people who become, you know, uh, they, they grow up, they become adults, legal adults, and there's nothing in a record that prevents them from buying a gun when we have, a, you know, a, a, a known case of someone being very violent. We had this exact situation with the Parkland shooter. We had a very similar situation with this Sandy Hook shooter. We had a very similar situation with the, the Columbine shooters. Uh, this is the, the pattern more than anything, not the availability of firearms, uh, because, um, you know, th this seems to be more uh, the, uh, 
uh, you know, the, the commonality, the common denominator. And I would say to people, look, there are crisis counseling services usually in, in practically every community. And if you know someone in crisis, you, you, your family member or you yourself, you know, I think people uh, sometimes they, they might be too overwhelmed. They don't they don't pursue it. They don't know that it's there. Or maybe they're just afraid of the stigma. What will someone think if a crisis counselor had to visibly come to our house and deal with my child or my sibling or whatever, my spouse? Um I would ask people to sort of find the inner strength to push past that and make use of those counseling services, those crisis services, uh, because when you don't, uh, there, there's, um, there could just be awful, awful consequences. It strikes me how quiet it sounds in Uvalde. I can hear the birds chirping as oh, you're yes. speaking. Um, hopefully, um, you know, it's the 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 tranquility that's inherent there is going to help with the healing yeah. process. It's a quiet town. I think even over by the main street, even the, the, the traffic is very light. It's just a soft din. It's not busy, heavy, screeching tires, honking horns. It is a small town. And, um, you know, I, this <laughs> early this morning, you know, waiting for the sun to come up, uh, sitting on, you know, in the car uh, on the streets near the school, uh, you know, I heard a rooster crow. And then I heard another, and then I heard another. I thought I was just hearing the same rooster crowing over and over again. No, I saw <laughs> practically, you know, every five feet, these wild roosters, uh, you know, running around and, and making their, their morning noises. And uh, it, that's the type of town that we're in here. Uh, everyone pretty much knows everybody. You know, when you, when you come from a small town, uh, your neighbor might be mayor. Uh, and even if it's not, you're probably on a first-name basis with the mayor. Um, mayor might even be part-time, right? Uh, and, and that's kind of what this town is like. I mean, it, everyone knows everyone uh, or knows someone who knows someone, um, all in the best ways. Uh, and so that's why I think it's, it's specifically harder uh, to, to even contemplate that the person who did this was very likely a neighbor, someone they might have passed by just on any old day of the week. Fox's Evan Brown reporting in Uvalde. Thank you so much for your time, Evan. Stay safe. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.